cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. I'm on watch and this is cutting through matrix on the 19th of December 2008. For the newcomers, listen to the show, look into my website, if it's cuttingthroughmatrix.com, and you'll find hundreds of talks I've given in the past concerning this big system in which we live, not the one the media projects to you. I try to get outside of the trivia and the nonsense they feed us and show you the big picture of how a whole world is being shepherded into a brand new system that's been the dream of many for the for the ages, they say. And it does not bode well for most of humanity. I always think of Mr. Rockefeller when he said, talking about this very system to come that he and his predecessors worked on so hard, he said you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. And all of the breaking that's going on was planned that way. There's lots of eggs breaking. But mind you, they have so many systems set up way in advance to take care of all the broken eggshells that they're not too worried. They're ready to manage a world in chaos. And out of the chaos, they'll bring their brand new utopia. They're always dreaming of utopias and restoring a golden age. Also look into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu and download transcripts of the same talks I've given over the years. You can print them up if you'd like to read. A lot of people prefer reading, and you'll find that you can remember much more easily when you read the talks, and you're not staring at a screen, for instance. And you can print them up, and they're done in the various languages of Europe. For quite some number of years, I've been showing you how everything truly is managed, there's no great catastrophe or crisis comes out in the world in any of its, its main control mechanisms, that is like the banking industry or politics, without it being planned many, many years in advance. And one way to tell what's being planned and what has been planned and where you're going to go is to see what comes out of the big think tanks. And you have to do your rounds of the think tanks because... Many of them appear to be non-governmental, although ones like the the Council on Foreign Relations admit that they draft up policies which governments sign into law. This bypasses all forms of democracy. And I can remember reading arguments that were written at the beginning of the 1900s on this very topic. They said at the time that democracy would evolve because it would be steered this way, you see, by the rich and powerful. It would evolve into having a say only if you belonged to the biggest and wealthiest groups. And you see, that has always been the case for a hundred odd years, and probably longer. Nothing has changed. And those big and powerful groups all have their backing from the same foundations. The foundations are a front in themselves, and even some of the so-called self-made millionaires or billionaires 
are really front men, these philanthropists. They were set up to be front men. You'll find when they, were, when they went into business, doors opened from all sides. And that does not happen in a world of supposed free market competition. If anything, free market competition would be utterly ruthless. And if they don't want someone to rise to the top, they don't get up there, no matter what you've been told in school and no matter how hard you run after that carrot, it ain't going to be yours. Philanthropy is how you guide the world. It's also a great cloak. It throws people off the scent of what they're really up to. And we're back with more of this after the following messages. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Just mentioning before the break how nothing just happens out the blue, out of the blue. It doesn't happen that way. It can't happen that way. Because there's so much communication from the boys at the top between one another, nothing takes anyone by surprise. And when you tie up all of the big international meetings, you understand the agenda, where it's heading, and where it's meant to go. And you realize that the old system is to be destroyed to bring in a new that will take time and maybe two or three generations to bring in. When you tie it in with a hundred years war, which was mentioned initially after 9-11, you said this would be a hundred years war. They were not discussing a war just on the Middle East. It was a war for a global empire. Because the United States took over from Britain in the role of leading a world empire, that is what the Council on Foreign Relations stated at the time when the torch was passed to Britain, to, from Britain to the U.S. Britain was exhausted with hundreds of years of wars since the establishment of the Bank of England, using the taxpayer to fund it and all of the working class to fight the battles abroad to create that empire. The U.S. was to take over that role because Britain was financially exhausted and to be honest with you too, its working class population was not only diminished, but they were also pretty unhealthy physically because of terrible conditions, poor food, and so on. So the U.S. took over the role, and it was expected to, to really run the world for the 20th century into the 21st century. And according to their own records of the CFR, they discussed, and these are big professors, at big major universities who belong to international organizations, they discussed that eventually China would emerge as the policeman of the world at some time or other. But remember, we're in a hundred years war to, to radically alter everything that ever was into a new system that's coming into view now. And that means training a world society into a completely different ideology, before we were trained to be good producers and consumers. And that's what most people do. They live in their own little world. They produce, they consume, they get entertained, and their basic needs are met. That system now is called unsustainable. And therefore, the system has to go. But getting back 
what I said at the beginning of the show, how are the big foundations with all of the non-governmental organizations, very wealthy organizations, even though you'd think they're charitable outfits, run the show. And, and they've, planned, they've already planned what kind of world we're about to merge into, and it's already underway. It has been for many years. Different parts of it have been underway. When the Council on Foreign Relations came out on television in Canada, on the national television service, the, the CBC, in 2005, there were, it was preceded a few minutes prior to that by an official statement by the Council on Foreign Relations from, as themselves, representing themselves for the first time openly. Before, we'd always seen them uh, uh, giving advice to a politician in the state of CFR. It meant nothing to people. They thought it was some sort of official spokesman for the government, but they were not. They were private. But they came out as their own private organization, admitting that they basically drafted up the whole amalgamation scheme. It had been done years ago. And then we saw the Prime Minister of Canada and the President of the U.S. and Mexico signing the first open, first open uh, agreement towards this. Now, remember, they'd already done the free trade negotiations, which preceded the NAFTA negotiations. This was the next series of events to take us to 2010. And every year since 2005, they've been signing this final amalgamation into being. And have you noticed that none of the agenda, and there's not one single part of the agenda, is being taken away because of the financial crisis? The military is going ahead full steam, ordering left, right, and center all the toys they want. They're getting the backing. We're watching the old economy, I say old because it's time to change the system, is, is collapsing because they all ran on debt and borrowing. And they're fleecing the taxpayers. Uh, they allow you to accumulate generally for 100, sometimes a year, sometimes 50 years, and then they steal it all away from you. That's what they've done, traditionally done through history. We're watching towns collapse across the U.S. and Canada too. Just near me, where there's Sudbury, they exist on the mining. All the stores service the mining families, and they're closing down because they're closing some of the mines, and they're laying off lots and lots of workers. Most of the ore the last few years has been going to the raw ore from the mines, has been going to China, because all the manufacturing in the U.S. and Canada was closed down already. NAFTA, sorry that, and then the GATT Treaty that made sure that everything was set up in China for manufacturing, uh, thereby by doing in all the companies back home. They had to move, and they were paid to move, and the taxpayer funded the moves. We've watched the farming being taken down. You're talk, we're talking it, what I'm pointing out to you is a military strategy that's involved, because what's happening now is a war upon humankind. And in all wars, and this is from the military uh, manuals themselves, all wars take years of preparation where you maneuver your enemy through different, different ways into a certain position, often without them knowing what's happening. So you get them where you want them to be, and then you hit them. And that is what's happening right now. In 2005, they signed, let's say, the first of the last series of the integration 
five more to complete for this series, taking us up to 2010. The CFR had already issued many different recommendations and given them to governments which signed them in to law, basically, to do with the biometric passes for, for fast border crossings. Then the CFR went on to talk about how NATO or Canada and the U.S. were part of NATO, had always been allies, and how eventually, after 2010, they'd work on the elimination of the border, and the final border would be basically where the ocean hits the shores across the whole of the Americas. So therefore, the ID card is an essential step in this direction, and eventually, after 2010 and probably a few riots, the borders will gradually come down, at least between Canada and the U.S. And they knew what was coming years and years ago, as I say. They could have kept this bubble of fake bonds in the air for as long as they wanted to. They had done for years. But they decided to pull it now. And when that happens that way, it's planned that way, especially when you look into the big, the big bankers involved and stockbrokers involved and big insurance companies involved. The guys at the top were funneling millions of dollars into their own personal accounts and often in Switzerland and so on, I'm sure, long before their banks went down and their stocks went down. They knew it was coming a long time ago. They're all in the know, you see. They're all part of a ruling establishment. In 2006, when they signed the second of this latest series of the integration policies, for the Americas, that's when they signed the one where Canada and Canadian troops can go into the U.S., vice versa, and the same with Mexican troops. And I'm reading an article here. It's, it's, I think it was first published on February the 23rd of this year. But it's again republished Friday, December 19th, 2008, from the Gazette in Canada. It's part of the Canada.com network, it says. Canada-U.S. militaries sign cross-border pact by David Pugliese, Canwest News Service. Canada and the U.S. have signed an agreement that paves the way for the militaries from either nation to send troops across each other's borders during an emergency. But some are questioning why the Harper government has kept silent on the deal. I don't know why they say it's kept silent on the deal because as I've already said, and I have it, the documents here from the 2006 signatures for the amalgamation, that's when they, they said this would happen. They'd already signed it then. Neither the Canadian government nor the Canadian forces announced the new agreement, which was signed February 14th in Texas. That's a, another signature to, just to verify the first one. The U.S. military's Northern Command, however, publicized the agreement with a statement outlining how its top officer, General Jean Renoir, and Canadian Lieutenant General Marc Dumay, head of Canada Command, signed the plan which allows the military from one nation to support the armed forces of the other during a civil emergency. The new agreement has been greeted with suspicion by the left wing in Canada and the right wing in the U.S. So between the two wings, we've got a full bird there we can fly, I guess. The left wing Canadian Council of Canadians, which is campaigning against what it calls increasing integration of the U.S. and Canadian militaries, is raising concerns about the deal. It's kind of a trend when it comes to issues of Canada-U.S. relations and contentious issues like military integration 
We see that this government is reluctant to disclose information to Canadians that is readily available on American and Mexican websites, said Stuart True, our sector with the Council of Canadians. Are we going to see U.S. troops on our soil for minor, minor potential threats to a pipeline or a road, he asked. True also noted the U.S. military does not allow its soldiers to operate under foreign command, so there are questions about who controls American forces if they're requested for service in Canada as done through NATO. You see, that's the answer to that one. That's already been decided. And I'll be back with more after the following break. time 
would become obsolete, not only obsolete, they claim, and they still do claim, that the masses are basically guzzling up all the resources off the planet. And what's going to happen to their offspring, you know, the superior types that must come out of this, go ahead, go on beyond the next stage of evolution. How will they survive if all the commoners that are now useless eaters have guzzled up all the goodies? This particular commission, this, this governmental commission, put out a report. It's called Beyond Therapy, or The Rape of Wives, I call it. It is biotechnology and the pursuit of happiness. And I remember last night I talked about the, these characters advocating the use of drugs on the healthy, psychiatric drugs on the healthy. And before I start this, remember what Huxley said in his speech at Berkeley when he was going over uh, Brave New World Revisited and the possibility of making that a real type of society. He said, what's wrong with drugging the people? After all, they're all unhappy. Let's just make them happy. Like that's all there is to be in you. Just make them happy. Beyond therapy, biotechnology, and the pursuit of happiness. And for those who love Kabbalah, you'll see the lovely logo that they've given them, the President's Council on Bioethics, which is eugenics. It's very, very interesting, all the little new moons, the nascent moons left and right, of the one in the middle, count them up count everything you see there, you have quite a good laugh. It's a report of the President's Council on Bioethics, Beyond Therapy, and I'm just scrolling down here, it takes a little while, things to come up on this particular page. It says here, if, if anything moves on this thing at all, contents. It says, what are stimulant drugs on page 77? Behaviors inviting improvement. See, everyone at the bottom, and this was said by the American Psychiatric Association a long time ago, and John Dewey said it too, The people are defective at the bottom. So that's the premise that you start off with. If we all need drugs, psychiatric drugs, that means there's something wrong with us. Someone's decided there's something wrong with us. And you can find lots of quotes by Dewey and others in the American Psychiatric Association, which was started off by guys who believed and had hereditary problems, were all psychiatrically insane, technically at the bottom, were defective products. So here they are, what are stimulant drugs? Above that, actually, they have behavior modification in children using stimulants. So this behavior modification, the Skinnerian-type couplet, drugs as well. At the very top, they've got the genetic engineering of desired traits. Genetic engineering of desired traits. They're talking about the whole of society here. And these guys are well backed. And they're not kidding. Back with more after the following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. Alan Watts back, cutting through the Matrix. 
trying to show the listeners, especially those who've listened for a long time, to the talks I've given. Because if you have, it'll make a lot of sense to you to realize what's going on and how it's all coming together. But here is the supposed conservative that stands up for you know the old ways, according to people who vote that way. It doesn't in reality, of course, because there are no sides. There's no left wing or right wing. They're both controlled and put in there. And the agenda, I've always said this, that the agenda rolls forward full steam ahead. I've never ever seen it change in any country, regardless of which party gets voted in. Why? It's because they don't run the country. The guys that lobby them do, the big foundations and their big NGOs and international groups that they all belong to. And I'm reading from this report from the Bioethics, Bioethics Council, the President's Bioethics Council, who sit and put all this stuff down that goes into government reports, and that becomes the norm, and that's what's pushed from the top down into society, like all culture does. Genetic engineering of desired traits, fixing up, Selecting embryos for desired traits, that's what they call it. See, enhancement, the word enhancement is in. Intellectual enhancement is in as well, taking drugs like amphetamines and so on. But here they are into selecting embryos for desired traits. Now, start off with a, a lot of people will fall for this thinking that would be great. That'd be, my child's going to be really bright. Remember that someone else is deciding what can a child it's going to come from that, not you. And if you go through the history of the world, there's never been a time when those at the top have altered anything at the bottom for the benefit of those at the bottom. We're into totalitarian systems, and that's screaming from a thousand foundations all around you. Totalitarianism. It says ethical analysis benefits of selecting embryos, questions of safety, questions of equality, because then what can how many males, how many females should true have any males at all. I've already given reports from Huxley and others and Lord Bertrand Russell who talk about the prime numbers to have. Even 5% of males can fertilize 15% of the females. That's all they'll want generally. They said 15% of the females is to be fertile. Maybe they'll only keep 15% of them around. That will be the whole of them. Consequences for families and society. Now we know all about that too because eugenics have pointed that out, that families, number one, are obsolete. They've made sure pretty well in this dysfunctional system. That's why it's dysfunctional at the moment. It was made to be so. That families are obsolete. Society is changing into the global society choosing the sex of children, then they just go on to the ends and means. Well, we know that the ends justify the means used to get to the end. They copied that one from the Jesuits. Preliminary ethical analysis. So the only problem is, is this really ethical? Well, we don't get a chance to even get into these meetings. There's no commoner allowed into these highbrow meetings. You're too unworthy to get in. Your betters are deciding all this for you. Tessie, the limits of liberty. 
Now that there is very interesting because it's also number 66, but the limits of liberty, when you think about it, covers a broad scope from their point of view. In other words, how much liberty, how much of an individual quality would you leave an enhanced person with, if any at all? The meaning of sexuality and procreation has all been redefined. All of it. Improving children's behavior using psychotropic drugs. Behavior modification in children using stimulants. This is from the President's Council on Bioethics. This is what's guiding the country. What are stimulant drugs? Behavior is inviting improvement. Well, you see, anything, that statement there means that you see you're, you're, you're in need of improvement. Remember, eugenics begins with the premise, a premise, an a priori, that everyone down at the bottom is defective. They say you have a poverty gene if you belong to the lower classes. Otherwise, you're proven it through evolution and somewhere, somehow got to the top by any and all means possible. Therefore, you have a poverty gene. So right off the bat, so a priori, you are defective. Behavior is inviting improvement through stimulant drugs. The universal enhancer. Enhancement, again, is, is one of these beautifully feel-good words. Enhancement. Sounds like you're getting a lot of nice stuff there. Enhancement. Universal enhancement. Universal means across the board, everywhere, all. Ethical and social concerns, safety first, right? Rearing children, the human context. And we know that initially, when you've read Lord Bretton Russell, who helped set up this global system for its directions, he said in the 1930s, he still believed at that time, he was changing his mind though, he believed that that as according to Plato, they'd have to remove the children from their parents at birth. That was also a part of the core of the communist agenda. But they never really got it through in Russia. That many who moved from Russia to Israel tried it there with the kibbutzis, and they did remove the children from their parents, and they discouraged bonding from the parents from birth onwards. As over time, they found the mothers had such a natural desire to find out who their children were and read them themselves, they dropped that eventually. There's a good book called Children of the Dream. Get a hold of it. It'll astonish you. Social control and conformity. See, this is also to do with social control and having a standardized humanity to serve them. Moral education and medicalization. Well, we know that the same president, and this will be carried on with the next one, believe you me, wanted everybody in the U.S., it's the same in Canada, really, because whatever happens there happens here, too, to be tested psychologically, see if you're, you've got any little loose screws. You're not standardized enough. You need to tighten up a bit. Adjusted. The meaning of performance because who will be judging what performance is? Those at the top, you're better as the intellectuals again. Conclusion, the meaning of childhood. 
So they're redefining the meaning of childhood. You see? Then appendix has the diagnostic criteria for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So many young males have been doped already by these, which they're now calling enhancers, like Ritalin, which has caused an actual shrinking of the brain, which they know too. And I've talked to many who've come through this. Luckily, they've actually survived. And they have whole blank spots in their memory. I say, what happened in their life? They've all had tremendous problems adjusting in society and outbreaks of neurosis and various other things. These are all long-term side effects and generally permanent of these drugs that they want to get everybody on. There's another, another bunch of, this, of, of other things that they go through on this particular bioethics council. Superior performance. Here's back to the Superman again. You thought that went... Do you wonder why Superman came out? Look at the founders of Superman. The whole idea of Superman. You thought it was just two young guys in Canada with a great idea? Look into it. Look at George Bernard Shaw with the Fabian Society, one of the founders of the Fabian Society, long before Hitler was heard of, with his part, his little essay on man and Superman. This is not new. I'm talking about it's not new, but here it is. It's in your face today. Eugenics. Eugenics that sprang out of Darwinism. It actually gave the ammunition to those who already believed in noble types and inferior base. Varlets at the bottom. It says, sport and the superior athletes. So here they go. That, I told you before, that was why they really pushed the whole Olympics idea. Because these idiots that think they're athletes will do anything to be number one. The whole message it gets across to the public is the human body isn't good enough the way it is. That's the point of it. And it says, why sport? Again, the superior athlete, 107. Different ways of enhancing performance. Better equipment, better training, better native powers. Muscle enhancement through biotechnology. Remember what Plato said, and this is the hero that they all recite. They bring it up in their their books when they write their memoirs, how Plato was their hero with his book, The Republic. We talked about breeding specific different types of humans by selective breeding. Tall ones for picking apples, short ones for working mines and so on. And also how to keep them dumb and stupid because they didn't want intellectual ones. Intellectual ones might just walk off the job and say, well, you know what to do with that, don't you? You know where to shove that. Remember, at every move here, someone's deciding the outcome, but it's not, it's not the guy at the bottom, male or female. Opportunities and techniques for muscle enhancement. How is biotechnical enhancement different? Fairness and equality, that always comes into it again. You want to make us equally neutered. That's happened pretty, pretty well across the board. How will they get it in? How will they make it all happen? Part C and 
Chapter 4 Coercion and Social Pressure Atta. D. Adverse Side Effects, Health, Balance and the Whole of Life Then they go into the dignity of human activity The dignity The meaning of competition The relationship between doer and deed Acts of humans Human acts Harmony of mind and body Harmony is a nice word too Sounds good, doesn't it? Harmony of mind and body Superior performance and the good society the good society. They also talk about the good life, right out of Bertrand Russell. Education and the good life was one of his first books on this coming society that he and many of his peer group were working on and many of his ancestors had been before him. Ageless bodies. The meaning of ageless bodies. Now you know, if everyone had an ageless body, we would be overcrowded, wouldn't we? Especially if they're still young coming in. So the obvious questions are, who will be able to breed? Who will get to live to be ageless? It's not going to be given to everyone. I've heard people at the bottom really think it's for them. That's how dumbed down they are. Basic terms and concepts, scientific background. They goes into to targeting specific deficiencies of old age. You know, after World War II, mainly from the, from the, again, the 50s onwards, Alzheimer's suddenly broke free like you would never believe. And they just couldn't figure out why. That was the same time people started to get really sick with all kinds of weird symptoms. In the 60s, we found out all these, these aging diseases hitting the youngsters, even destroying their immune systems before AIDS came along. And that's also when they put into action what Bertrand Russell's called the use of the needle, inoculations. So when they're talking about targeting specific deficiencies of old age, it's not for the general public, obviously. I've already mentioned that. That brings problems of its own. Who should be allowed to continue and who should die younger? Who should be born at all comes into this whole equation. Memory enhancement, muscle enhancement, caloric restrictions, genetic manipulations, prevention of oxidative damage, method of treating the ailments of the aged. It's not, remember, it's not the general population here. We know what happens to the aged. They get thrown in these retirement bins, I call them, where they're drugged on halidol and other drooling drugs, and they don't last very long. Hormone treatments. Telomere research. Effects on the individual. Greater freedom from constraints of time. Yeah, they will have. They went through all this stuff in the Star Trek series and their different episodes. They showed you the different ones that lived forever, etc. They already showed you how they'd solve it, too, by giving diseases to the masses in one episode because they came across a planet where no one died. Attitudes towards death and mortality, renewal and children, the meaning of the life cycle. Now, do we get taught any of this at school? No. You get taught to be a good employee. I still wonder why the West were always taught to go and get a job, not to be the guy who owns the company. 
Have you ever wondered that? The whole education system was geared towards being an employee. And once you became an employee, you then, then in those days, you're supposed to try and get a mate, have a child, sit down and watch the television at weekends, and don't concern yourself with any of the higher things that are left to the intellectuals. That has happened. Most folk went through that whole scenario and kept in oblivion by trivia, as Russell said. We'll give them trivia and light entertainment, very simple, basic comedies and so on. Meanwhile, all these agencies and big foundations and intellectual class have been working on stuff like this, like I'm reading right now. Effects on society, generations and families, innovation, change and renewal, the aging of society. Then it goes into happy souls. What are happy souls? Well, it's not going to be you down at the bottom because you don't have any apparently, according to them at the top. Memory and happiness, good memories and bad, biotechnology and memory alteration. And that's right, folks. They're, it's the same as the military. You wonder why the military put a lot of this stuff out first? Because they're all part of the same spider web of associations. They're all the same think tanks working with them. And they can use memory blunting to drugs, too. They're using that in the military right now. I'll be back with more after the following messages. Cutting through the matrix and going through an official body that was put together at the president's command, supposedly. The Council on, on basically bioethics, meaning eugenics, because they changed their name, remember, from eugenics society to bioethics. They decide what is bioethical for all the rest of us. After all, we're all poor souls who are in need of drugs and behavior modification. We don't understand what being happy truly is. And we need things like mood improvement through drugs. That's on page 239. You want to improve your mood through drugs. That tells you here, memory blunting. Again, they'll take away bad memories. You see, they're using those on troops right now when they go off and slaughter people. They have little flashbacks and stuff. And they're trying to eradicate those memories with these are drugs. That's been all over the media. So that, but then they teach you to do this. Remember fitly and truly. That's from page 228. So once they've, they've removed all the bad memories, all, all your wrong think, they'll, they'll help you to remember fitly and truly. It's like Orwell again, George Orwell. You know, who are you fighting right now, East Asia or West Asia? Eventually Orwell tries to say, well, whoever, whoever you want me to believe is, uh, I'll say it. That's what they're talking about here. The obligation to remember memory and moral responsibility. The soul of memory. Remembering the soul, mood and happiness. Are you, are you really happy? If not, why not? We can make you happy. Mood improvement through drugs. Mood brightening agents, an overview. Remember, this is government, not only who are fascist to begin with, all governments are fascist. Even the communist system was fascist, essentially. But also in bed with the big pharma agencies that are mainly owned by the big bankers. Down through time, the bankers also owned the pharma companies. 
and here they are going to drug us all. And out of all comes a, a happy society. We can go through wars, deprivation, starvation, sterilization, and all the rest of it. But as long as we're happy going through with it, we can be well managed. Mood brightening agents, an overview. Biological and exper experiential effects of SSRIs. Ethical analysis again. They decide what's ethical, remember? We don't have a look in. Because we're not ethical, we're at the bottom. We can't be responsible enough to come to a truly proper conclusion. Living truly, fitting sensibilities and human attachments. What sorrow teaches? What discontent provokes? If you're discontented, you might need to be drugged. Medicalization of self-understanding. He'll medicate you until you've got the proper idea of who you are. The roots of human flourishing, the happy self and the good society. The good society, one of their old terms from the eugenics associations, look at their old magazines from the 1900s, early 1900s, the good society. And it was on to beyond therapy, general reflections. The big picture Familiar sources of concern where you've got overpopulation and all the rest of it, so you can't have that overpopulation, could you? Health issues, safety, bodily harm, unfairness. Is there anything unfair about what they're doing? Not consulting us and planning all this for us and all the offspring that could be from us, for those who are still fertile, that is. Equality of access. Well, it would be hard to give everyone access to the good life, wouldn't it? That's page 281. I'll put this link up for the PDF on my site after this show. And there's the music coming in. I could go on for hours and hours and hours giving you a lot of talks about this kind of stuff, but we don't have time. So from Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your gods, all your gods go with you. <laughs>